0: Okay, I want to thank all of y'all for being here. we got a really good crowd today. Um, last time we were together, we kind of summed up some things that we had been talking about in the life of Christ as we have been going through a harmony of the Gospels as we have been going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and taking the teachings of those apostles, the writings of those apostles, and lining them up in a chronological way so that we can understand the earthly ministry of Jesus from the time he was born to the time that he, he rose from the dead. And so, last time we were together, we, we brought up two important uh, subjects that I think we need to just quickly remind ourselves of. Number one, there was always different reactions to Jesus and his teaching. There were crowds who were there just for uh, the, the show, if you will. Remember when Jesus fed the, the uh, 5,000 with the fish and the bread? He said, you didn't come to me because of what I'm teaching. You came to me because I was filling your bellies with food. Right, And we all got a good free lunch here today That's very nice that they provide that for us But remember it's the spiritual bread of God's word That truly uh, fills us and sustains us And gives us eternal strength And and the ability to do what we need to do And so these people A lot of these people were following Jesus just for the show Just to see something new Just to hear something different Uh, And their hearts were not with him uh, their eyes and their minds were with him, but their hearts were not with him. Then we had another group of people um, who were kind of caught uh, in the middle. They didn't know whether to believe or not. And then we had that group of people who were completely against Jesus, who were completely trying to kill him. Remember we talked about it last time we were together. They, he, uh, it, he said, you're trying to kill me. And they said, you got a demon. Who, there's nobody trying to kill you. But they were. They were actually seeking a way that they could destroy Jesus. So today, we're going to look at one of the feasts. What is a feast? Food. You can have a feast. A lot of food. Okay, a lot of food. We're having a feast today. We're having Doritos and sandwiches and sodas. Mm-hmm. But in the same way that we in the United States celebrate Thanksgiving and have a big meal with our families, in the same way that we celebrate Christmas and have a big meal with our families, the Jewish people had three uh, holidays, if you will, three holy days, um, where they would all make a pilgrimage down to Jerusalem and celebrate these feasts. Now, um, the feast would be uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, Passover would be another one, right? And so, what was the purpose of these feasts? It was to remind them of what God had done for them in their lives. And this particular... Feast that we're going to talk about today, the Feast of Tabernacles, um, is a feast also known as the Feast of Booths, B-O-O-T-H, like Superman gets in a booth to change his clothes, that kind of booth. And in the Old Testament, a booth was a tent, a booth was a tent. And so this festival that we're going to be studying and reading about today, these, these verses we're going to look at today, are a reminder... Of a time when the children of Israel lived in tents. Alright, who knows what time that was? What was the time when the children of Israel lived in tents? What is that known as? <laughs> Good. They left Egypt, and where were they going? To the, to the promised land. Alright, and it would have taken it should have taken them about fifteen days or so, about two weeks, nine to fifteen days to walk from Egypt to the promised land. It's very similar in mileage to Savannah to Atlanta. Alright? It's about 250 miles. 260 miles. It should have taken them about two weeks. And we know from our study of the book Bible, right, that it took them how long? 40, 40 years. years. So instead of it taking them two weeks, it took them 40 years. And so, remember that the children of Israel rejected God's truth. And because of their rebellion, because of their unbelief, because of their uh, unwillingness to follow Moses, God confounded them and left them walking in circles for 40 years. Do you think, and God I'll ask you this question, do you think that as Christians, we are Christians, we're born again believers, we have uh, been given a new heart, we have been given His Spirit to guide us and to help us, can we fall into unbelief? Yes. 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 There's no doubt about that, that a child of God can struggle with their faith. Whether they really believe or not. They can struggle with some of the laws that God commands us. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And how many of us go out in our boats on the weekend on Sunday and go fishing and, and go to the beach and say, well, I can do that too. I don't that's not against the rules right how many of us can hear God's word thou shalt not commit adultery and then a very good looking girl walks by and we we guys turn our heads and look to this girl right that's breaking God's law now why are we remember what he said he said if you even look at a girl to lust upon her you are guilty of adultery because your heart is not trusting God your heart is saying what that girl is better than what God says you see? And so every day we struggle with unbelief. right? Any of you in this room smoke? You know that smoking is bad for your health. But we simply do not believe it until the doctor comes in with the x-ray and says you have lung cancer. We say, oh, I know it's bad for me. I know it's bad for me. We get up every morning and we cough and spit up all that brown stuff and we feel miserable. But the reality is we don't believe it's bad for us because we keep doing it. You see? And so we struggle with unbelief. Well, the entire exodus was a struggle of unbelief. From the time they left Egypt until the time they got into the promised land 40 years later, the children of Israel were constantly struggling with unbelief. Remember, last week when we were together, we talked about the two reasons why the people accused Jesus of being a heretic why the people refused to believe Jesus what were those two reasons one he claimed to be who the son of God 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 himself and number two they claimed that he was breaking the The Sabbath Sabbath. who remembers what we said the word Sabbath means what did it mean last week who who was in our class last week and learned it Sabbath remember the Sabbath and keep it holy holy day no not holy day of rest a day of rest so, sabbat means to rest. It means to chill. It means to relax. In Spanish it's tranquilo. Uh, it's to rest. And so, the entire Exodus, instead of resting in what God had done for them, what did he do for them? He killed Pharaoh's son and got them released from Egypt. Instead of resting in what God had done for them, they rejected him. And... They we're in unbelief right? instead of resting in the fact that he was providing manna for them every morning that he was providing food and water out of a rock for them instead of resting in the fact that God was going to provide for them they complained and grumbled and tried to do things their way Don't we tend to that? I was fixing to say this ought there ought to be an echo in this room because the same exact things that the children of Israel did are the same exact things that we as God's children do too we are not above it. Matter of fact, and we are more accountable. Because we have, a, we have a story to learn from. We have their example to learn by. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. The very law of God placed upon our hearts. So they were supposed to rest. But instead of resting, they constantly rebelled against God. So the whole entire Exodus story is a story of rebellion and unbelief. But in this story of rebellion and unbelief, one of the things that the children of Israel did the whole time they were in the wilderness is live in tents. So every year during the the festival of booze, they would uh, build these little tents and have feasts and parties inside these little tents. Booze that they would make. They would make them out of palm branches and, and whatnot. If you were to ride around Savannah into some of our Jewish neighborhoods during the uh, Tabernacle season, you would see that they build little uh, lean-tos off of their houses and have uh, palm branches uh, and they light it up. Uh, mm. It's called festival lights. They put Christmas lights around it and they go out there and they have meals and uh, during the festival of booze. I always thought that. They just left their (laughs) Christmas lights up. Not for real. Well, number one, they would never have Christmas lights up. They might have Hanukkah lights up, but they (laughs) They wouldn't be celebrating Christmas. Okay. (laughs) So, that is the background to the story we're reading today. We're reading about Jesus and his family going from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the festival. In the book of Le- uh, Leviticus, in the book of Deuteronomy, and Numbers, Moses, through God, command or God through Moses commands the people that ev- uh, that all that these times of the year would be holy and and uh, set apart, and there would be times that they would celebrate. Okay, they celebrate the Passover. What's the Passover about? being set free from Egypt. The blood of the Lamb over their door. right? that came and over the Israelites' houses. Yes. Yes. And so, this that's the background to the story we're going to read. So let's look at John chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 1-24. through 24. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for He was unwilling to walk in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill Him. Now, the Feast of the Jews... The feast of booze was near. Therefore his brother said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Watch this, verse 5. For not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast, because my time has not yet fully come. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast, were saying, Where is he? There were some that were grumbling among the crowd concerning him, some saying, he's a good man, and others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. But when it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The Jews then were astonished, saying, how is it that this man has become learned, having never been educated? So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but Him who sent but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do His will, he will know the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from Himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Did Moses not give you the law, and yet none of you carry out the law? Why are you looking to kill me? The crowd answered and said, You've got a demon. Who's looking to kill you? Jesus answered and said, I did one deed, and you all marvel. For this reason Moses has given you circumcision, not because it's from Moses, but it's from the fathers. And on the Sabbath you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man entire well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Right? so that is the passage we're going to talk about today. We actually went into this passage some last week together, and hopefully some of you all will remember that. So, we want to look at verse 1. Of seven, it says, After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. All right, so Jesus is walking in Galilee, which is where he's from. Galilee is 60 miles north of Judea. It would be like somebody being in Statesboro and saying he stayed and hung out in Statesboro because he didn't want to come to Savannah. All right. He was, he was up north. He was with his people. And every time that he came down to Jerusalem, he would run into trouble. He would run into conflict. Now, why was he coming down? Because he was following Moses' command. That every year, three times a year, that all males are to go down to Jerusalem to worship. How many of y'all remember the story of Jesus when he was 12 years old? Alright, tell, tell me about that. What happened when he was 12? On mm-hmm, yeah. the way back from uh, the feast, his mom and dad missed him. And they found him teaching in the temple. And they were astonished by his teachings because at 12 years old, he knew a whole lot. Okay, that is very close to accurate. Mm-hmm. Jesus and his family went down to Jerusalem for the festival. When it was over, they packed up to walk 60 miles back home. When they got a days out from Jerusalem, they realized that Jesus wasn't with them. All right? And that's not uncommon because a lot of times all the women would walk together and all the men would walk together and all the kids would run and kick each other in the shins and play games and, and be kids, you see? So they had gone a whole day and they realized, uh-oh, Jesus is not here. So they come back to down there and they find Him in the temple. And He actually wasn't teaching... He was listening to the teachers and asking them questions that were astonishing them. Like he was asking them things about their scriptures and about their laws and about their interpretations and about their traditions that were stumping them. So even at 12 years old, he was already astounding the scholars of his day. In this passage here, it says that he was unwilling to go to Galilee because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Is this true? Are the Jews trying to kill him? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it says. The Jews. Well, can I ask a question? Yes. At twelve years old, and the knowledge that he At twelve years old, he knew that he was the son of God. It says right after that that he continued to grow in in spirit and wisdom. So he was a one hundred percent a boy, a twelve year old boy. But he was also 100% God. And as he grew in his knowledge of the scriptures, he grew in his understanding that he was the fulfillment of the scriptures. So a lot of people would think that he's like this little boy and like he he don't stub his toe and cry. Like he doesn't have, you know, he's not a, a child. That he's just a full grown God inside of him and he's See, like that Right. that's what I always thought. Right. That's now, what, that's what I always thought. We do know that he never sinned, right? Can you imagine being one of his uh, eleven brothers that had to live after follow up after him? <laughs> such a Why can't you just be like Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Yeah. But yeah. So we have to remember we have to remember that the Bible says that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. So he got cold and he cried when he was hungry. And, and, you know, he was a baby. And he grew up as a young man, a young boy, probably grew up, uh, we're more than almost certain that he grew up in his father's practice of carpentry because they called him the carpenter. Right. So he grew up and learned a trade, worked with his hands. But he grew in wisdom and his understanding of the, the scriptures, scriptures was amazing to them because he was seeing things that other people he was enlightened that you know saying the scriptures spoke about it. Right. That's exactly right. And as he grew, his understanding grew of the reality of that. Okay. Yeah. Did that help answer that? Yes. That's a good question, Lord. That that, that brought a lot into perspective. Okay, good. All right. So We need to understand, especially when we're reading the book of John, that almost every time that John refers to the Jews, and it's in capital letters, it's talking about the enemies of Jesus. Now, it's very important that you hear this. Are all Jews enemies of Jesus? No. No, Jesus is Jewish, and his disciples are Jewish, and his mom and dad are Jewish, and his brothers are Jewish. But in the book of John, in the Gospel of John, almost to percent, almost 100 percent of the time, when John refers to the Jews, he's referring to the the, uh, Pharisees, and the Pharisees. Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's referring to, to the religious structure of his day that was bound up and blinded by tradition and misunderstanding of their understanding of Moses and the scriptures. And they hated Jesus because Jesus was coming and living out the very scriptures that they claimed gave them their authority. But um, Notice how people, some of the Christians, if they say something like, oh, all the Jews are going to hell because they don't believe in Jesus, and then... Somebody come forward and say, but they're God's chosen people, so we don't know what's going to happen with them. Right. So the Jewish people were God's chosen people in the same way that Christians are His chosen people too. And there are a lot of Jewish people that are His chosen people. See, the Jewish people were His physical chosen people. He chose them so that one day one of theirs would save the world. And who is that? Jesus. Jesus. So the son, a son of Abraham was prophesied in the Old Testament to come along and save His right. people. Yeah. But the Scriptures also prophesy in the Old Testament that when He came, that His own people would reject Him. Right? And so what's happened is, over the, the 2,000 years that we've been around since Jesus walked the earth, the Jewish people rejected their Messiah. He presented Himself to them. The Jews of that day the ones that John's referring to here, the Jews, are rejecting the very Messiah that is prophesied in their scriptures. And what's uh, phenomenal about that is it was prophesied that they were going to do it. But later in the book of Romans, Paul tells us that that was all a part of God's plan all along. Because what would happen was the Jewish people would reject the Messiah. The Messiah and His message would turn to who? The Gentiles. And then in the latter days, which we're in now, the Jewish people would be provoked to jealousy. What do I mean to say that? They would be provoked to jealousy. A lot of the physical Jews, the physical sons of Abraham, would wake up and go, wait a minute, that's our Messiah. You can't have him. You see, they would wake up to that reality. So in their rejection... God has now blessed the Gentiles. And if God has blessed the Gentiles in their rejection, how much more glorious is it going to be when they turn back to Him and receive Him? Right. And that's what you're seeing today. There's, there's Jewish people all over the world that are coming to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay. So Orthodox, Orthodox Jews, that's what they call called? No, Orthodox Jew would be um, straight, these guys. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, Orthodox. Orthodox. yeah, they would reject Jesus right. as Messiah. That's Orthodox right. mean so the word Orthodox right. um, basically means uh, correct teaching. Correct teaching. Right. Ortho meaning straight and and uh, doxa meaning words. Their words now are straight. Jesus came, <laughs> Jews and, and Gentiles? Both have equal opportunity to accept God's word yes, accept God's word. but as we're going to learn in the next couple of weeks, Jesus would not turn to the Jew- Gentiles. Andrew, Andrew brought some Greeks to Jesus, and he said, my time, my time has not yet come. In other words, he pushed the Greeks away because a part of the prophecy was the Jews would reject him before he turned to the Gentiles. So Jesus' whole earthly ministry is all about who? What I mean about the God's Jews, the chosen people being saved just because they're God's chosen people. After after all of that, good. Right today they still have the good. same opportunity that we have.
1: Remember, them remember
0: that. Remember, God's eternally chosen people is not about a race. Right. There were 2,000 years of people before Abraham and the Jews came along. Adam and Abel and Noah and Enoch, all of those guys. None of them were Jewish. Right.
1: Abraham was
0: pulled out of a Gentile nation. And, the, yeah, or the Chaldeans. And so. There were plenty of God's chosen people before there was ever a Jew on the earth. But for a specific time, God specifically worked with a specific people, which was the physical people of Israel. Why? Because the scriptures and the plan of God was that a man would come along that would save his people. And that man would be a son of Abraham. That man would be a son of Jacob. That man would be a son of Judah. That man would be a son of David. Jesus had to physically fulfill the Scriptures as well as spiritually. And there's so much wrapped up in that. You see? And so, for a time, it was about the Jews. For eternity, it's about, been about God's chosen people. So, when Jesus said... Let, let me show you really quick. Turn over a couple pages with me. We've gotten a rabbit hole, but Lord, I appreciate y'all giving me a <laughs> rabbit hole. This is, this is a good rabbit hole. Turn to John 10 really quick. <clears throat> yep. Turn to John 10. And we'll start in verse... Well, let's just start in 10 1. Uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up another way is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep, what? What Hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him. Why? Mm -hmm. They know his voice. So how do we hear His voice today? Through the Scriptures. That's how we hear His voice today. It's not you laying in your bed at night and getting these premonitions. That's not the way that God speaks to you. God does not speak to you through your feelings and emotions in a saving way. Now, God does speak to us through providence. You can be praying about something and God places people in your life. He speaks to us through the world around us, through the nature around us. But what He's saying is, I'm here. And that's about it. The only way that you can truly know His will and His ways is through His Word. Mm -hmm. So how can you tell if a person is truly His sheep? They follow His voice. And what does His voice look like? The The Scriptures. And he says, he puts forth his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because he knows their voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So not only is he the shepherd, but he's the door. He's the way that we go into the fold. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. All right, He said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Who did Jesus come to give life and life more abundantly in us. this passage? Who is he talking about? Jews. Jews. No? Am I everybody who believes in that? The sheep he's talking about the sheep we are the sheep but in this passage in 10 what he's saying is i've come that they can have life and have it more abundantly who is he talking about he's the shepherd he's the door and he's talking about his flock good very good and we're going to see that in just a second i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the world for no, his no for, for, his for his sheep you see if you are in this room today and you are a born again blood and bald child of God it is because God Jesus purchased you with his blood on that cross and what you and I were talking about and then that, was, that was different with the other teachings that we were hearing yeah. so I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep yeah. it makes your salvation special You are not saved because you chose God. You are saved because God chose you. See, you can change your mind. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You can change your mind. If somebody can convince you to believe in God, then somebody can convince you to not believe in God. But when God reaches in and rips out that heart of stone and gives you a new heart and fills you with His Spirit, that's His work and it don't go away. Ever. Okay? Okay? He said, he who is a hired hand uh, and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees them because he's a hired hand and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Even as my father knows me and I know the father, I lay my life down for the sheep. Okay, now, really quickly. Who is Jesus talking to in this passage right now? His disciples. His his disciples. And he's talking to a group of people that he is teaching. Where is he teaching? In Jerusalem. And who is he teaching? Jews. Jews. There are no Gentiles in this conversation. There is today because we're able to read it. Because John wrote it down for us so that we could hear it. But at this time, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd and I lay my life down for my sheep. Now, what do you think those Jewish people are hearing when he says, I am the good shepherd? I mean. How do they know God? They know they know. <laughs> what is the method that the Jewish people would use to know God? Oh, they the 23rd seven seven. Seven. the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> the scripture. That's how the Jewish people knew God. And it was all Old Testament. Remember, the book of John hadn't been written. He could. Jesus couldn't have said, I, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son." Because that's John three sixteen, and it was going to be thirty years after, six years after Jesus left before that was written. So Jesus is talking to a bunch of Jews, and what is he doing? He's pointing them to something that they would sing every Sabbath day at the synagogue, in the same way that you hear the tune and the words to "Amazing Grace, How sweet the sound." Yes. That when they would hear Psalm twenty three, and that would be like they know that song. And what does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He's saying He's God. Yeah. He is saying I am Lord. L-O-R-D, Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. Now think about that. Think about how amazing that is. Who wrote Psalm 23? Baby. His great-great-great-great-great-granddaddy. Hmm. <laughs> And he's basically looking at a bunch of people who are wanting to kill him, and saying, "Hey guys, you've been singing about me this whole time. The last 700 years, you've been singing about me." (laughs) That'll probably piss him off. You better believe it. Enough to nail him to a cross. So what did he say? He said, "I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for my sheep. And how do you know you're my sheep? Because you hear my voice, and you follow me when I speak." And then watch what he says in verse. Fifteen. Uh, even as my father knows me I know the father I lay my life down for the sheep now he's talking to Jewish people isn't he? so what he's saying is he died for the Jewish people but look what it says next I have other sheep they're not of this fold I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become how many flocks one flock with one shepherd. What that means, guys, is there are not two people of God. There is one people of God. There's not Jews and Gentiles. So now, if you don't believe me, watch this. Turn with me over to the book of Galatians and let's look at a couple of passages in Galatians. Hey, thank you for teaching. I gotta go, I love y'all. Okay. Take it. Where's Galatians oh, yeah, at? I love it. Uh, that's right. Got it. Galatians. After the, the Corinthians. All right. Uh, Galatians, what? We're going to start in Galatians 3. We're looking at um, Galatians three sixteen. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. And he does not say "and to seeds," as referring to many, but rather to one seed, which is Christ. Now, the promises that Paul is bringing up here are the Old Testament promises of a Messiah. Galatians 3:16. Galatians 3:16. All right. The promises were spoken to Abraham and his seed. He does not say "and to seeds," as referring to many, but rather to one. And to your seed, that is Christ. All right. Um, and if you look down in verse 24, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. Now think about what he's saying there. There's not Jews, Greeks, slaves, free man, male, female, you're all one in Christ. Now is, is, is what Paul's saying there is, there's no longer such thing as races. No. Because we still have Jews. We still have Gentiles. We still have Japanese and Chinese and all kind of eases out there, right? You see? So there are still races out there. What about slaves and free people? Yeah, they're yep. still out there. Yep. Still out there. What about the sons Abraham. of Ishmael? Wasn't it right? Abraham's other son. Yep. Illegitimate son. Uh, and, and there is neither male nor female. All right? Does that mean that there's no such thing as gender anymore? So morphinites. No. Yep. <laughs> right? In other words, it's just like he don't discriminate. In other He's, words, there's so, all considered one accord. Good. But do women still have roles? Do men still have roles? Yeah. Yes. Do slaves and free people still have roles? Yes. Do Jews and Gentiles still have roles? Yes. It'd they, be almost like when you get married, you're you're considered one accord. Good. And actually, what happens is you marry Christ, you become a part of Him. Because that's why they said that when the husband cheats on the wife, that he's actually causing her to commit adultery, because they're one accord. In other words, she don't even have to have any kind of relationship with another man to be considered committing adultery. She wouldn't be committed to. It. No. She wouldn't be. She wouldn't be. Now, the the marriage would be tainted, but she wouldn't be considered an adultery. No, that's what it says though. Where? Well. It says that um, it says that if he cheats on his wife and he causes her to commit adultery. In other words, she don't even physically have to do it, but because they're one accord No, nah, nah, she would she still wouldn't be guilty. Now I don't let know me, I'll have to find Okay, this. let me give you yeah, a better, you know, better example. Be let me get, let me give you a better example of what you're you're trying to bring up. In the book of Job, God told the devil that he could do anything that he wanted to do to Job, but he couldn't kill him. Mm-hmm. Now do you remember who he killed? Everybody, his all his children, mm-hmm. all and children. all of his cattle, everything. Yeah. But he didn't kill somebody. His wife. His wife. And the reason he couldn't touch his wife is because in God's eyes they're one. Yeah, because when man when man yeah. and woman join, they're saying they join as one. So the marriage is. And remember when Jesus took the woman out of the rib? they the, mm-hmm. t- yeah. the two are still one because she comes out of him. And when we get married now, we're we're reestablishing that union that we are one. So in God's eyes, the devil could not touch Job's wife because Job's wife was considered one with him. And he told him, "You can do anything you want, just can't kill him." And because of that, he, she was clothed under his protection. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do. But the point that he's making here. The point that he is making here is that it's not about your race. It's not about your social status. It's not about your gender. It's about your heart. We still all have roles to play. Right? The bio, Tim, uh, Paul in the book of Timothy says uh, that women are not to be preachers. Right? Right? Mm. Of course, that'll kick a hornet's nest there. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the reality is, that is a rule that he made. So, there's still women and men. And in God's eyes, he still sees women and you men. Teach one of those Bible studies, sure, you know? they, You better believe it. They, women can do anything in the world except be a pastor. But they shouldn't be teaching men. They, they shouldn't be a pastor. That's right. They can do anything else in the entire uh, spectrum of the the body of Christ. Right, like the head of the church that it teaches the whole church. They're not they, um, the, an elder is to be the uh, uh, husband of one wife. Above, above reproach. Right. right. So now. There may be somebody in this room who maybe even has a female pastor. A lot of the evangelical even churches though today... I grew up with a, a female pastor, yeah. I oh, yeah. always knew that, that she wasn't supposed to be a pastor. So, yeah. now, she, she suffered now, a whole lot. So yeah. remember... Yeah, she suffered. Remember that there. all of us in this room are capable of getting skewed on what God's Word says. Like, we can all step out of bounds. Oh, yeah. And in, modern evangelical, in the modern evangelical system... There are a lot of people out of bounds, and what they would tell you, oh, well, Paul was only meaning that for that day and for that time. No. We, we've matured now. We're we're we're. But your heart tells you, yeah. Just like Heather said, she always feels that. So feel the okay, time good. Time. So so what is what does Jesus say? My sheep hear me; they know my voice, and they follow me, and they they do what I say. Mm-hmm. They follow me. All right, so let's get back to this passage again because we're talking about this whole concept of Jews and Gentiles. He says, He says, I'm sorry, but we do have to leave 10 minutes early. I'm so sorry. You don't have to be sorry. We got what? I got five minutes? Six minutes. All right, let me wrap it up. Let's wrap this up. Okay, all right, let's wrap this up. Is this all right? Verse 28, Romans, uh, Galatians. Chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. So in the same way that Heather was bringing up the point that the woman is counted as being a part of the man, all of those who are believers are counted as being a part of Christ. Okay? See how that works? And he says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendant, Abraham's seed. Now, Abraham, what race was Abraham? Jew, the father of the Jewish nation. So what he's saying is, you're Abraham's offspring. Well, the reason is because if you are a child of God, then you have the same faith that Abraham had. Look at Galatians 6. Look at Galatians 6 and verse... 14 but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world for neither is circumcision anything or uncircumcision but a new creation see the Jewish people would have said to the Gentiles we're circumcised we're God's people see I bear the mark of being a child of God in my flesh that's what they would have said that's what they're going to say to Jesus. We're Abraham's kids. But Jesus tells them, No, you're not Abraham's kids. You're children of the devil. You're the, the devil is your father. Because just because they were physically circumcised did not make them a true Jew. It is the circumcision of the heart that makes them a true Jew. All right, I got three minutes left, so watch what he says. For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision but a new creation. So what is Paul saying right there? It don't matter who you are on the outside. It's a matter of has God worked in your heart? Has your heart been circumcised? Has he cut away that dead flesh and put a new heart within you? What did he tell Nicodemus? You must be born Born again. again. That's the dividing line between a true child of Abraham and a fake child of Abraham. A true child of Abraham has the faith of Abraham. A true child of God trusts in Christ. And he says this, And those who will walk by this rule, peace be and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So what he's saying is there is an Israel of God. Who is Israel? Those who walk with God. Who is the Israel of God? All of the what? True believers. Now look at this. Go Turn back and this is our last passage. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter chapter 2. And look at verses 28 and 29. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is that circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that which is of the heart. By the spirit, not the letter. And His praise is not from men, but of God. You see, the Jewish people were saying, we're Abraham's kids. We follow Moses. We're circumcised. We're Abraham, circumcised. Yeah. We've done it all. Yeah. But listen, what they're saying is, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And a true child of God is one who simply says what? He did it. He did it. Through His grace... Through his grace alone. Nothing that I have done. And so when Jesus says that he is the good shepherd and his sheep follow him, who are his sheep? All of the what? Believers. Believers. Now, remember what Jesus said in that John 10 passage. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. So here's what he was saying. There are true believing Jews. And at the time that Jesus was addressing that group of people, there was a bunch of physical children of Abraham that were true believers, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. But then he said this: "But I have other sheep that are not of this flock. The like Gentiles, right? The Gentiles, and they must come, and then they will there will be one flock with one shepherd. So when Paul brings up that if you are a believer, you are of the Israel of God." What is he saying? You are of the one flock that is made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And so what you're seeing happening in the world around you right now, all around you right now, is that Gentiles are still being brought into the kingdom. And you're also seeing that some of the Jews are being provoked to jealousy and saying, Wait, that's our Messiah. You can't have him. What are they doing? They're turning from sin and self and turn into the trust of Messiah as well. And on the last day, when that last trumpet blows on Judgment Day, when he steps onto this earth to judge the world, it will be one... Because what's going to happen is, when the last of his sheep believe, there's going to be that one last believer. I don't know if he's going to be a Jew or a Gentile, but he or she will be that last believer. And then the Father's going to say to the Son, all right, now all of your people have been redeemed. All of your people have been saved. Go get them. You see, and when he comes down, he's judging the whole world. And so, in Revelation five nine, it says that there will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation around the throne of God praising him, praising Jesus, praising the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And it's a beautiful story of God's yeah. redemption. Yeah, that's close. But that won't happen until everybody hears the word, right? <clears throat> over <laughs> to everybody that's going to hear it hears it yep all right father thank you for this time we had together uh thank you for uh the fact that you love us thank you for sending your son Jesus to save us help us to hear your voice help us to believe your voice and help us to follow your voice in Christ's name we pray amen mm-hmm.